everybody, welcome to the Back to Square One podcast. I'm your host, Doodles, and today I'm riding solo. And unfortunately, I'm not joined by my podcast co-host and fellow Back to Square One band member, the one of the only, Miss Linus Lanier. And unfortunately, we had a little bit of a schedule conflict. We were hoping to get this podcast done for you guys today because we both wanted to talk about it. However, things cropped up and we couldn't come to an agreement on a time that was going to be suitable for both of us to sit down for an hour or however long this podcast is going to be and uh, talk about the subject. So I decided that I would ride solo on this one. I've got a lot of views on this subject. I've been following this from the get-go and I didn't want all my thoughts to go away. So I thought I would just fire up the microphone and I would just do it on my own. But no, I'm not replacing Linus Lanier. This is not a permanent thing. I'm not sort of cutting him out of this podcast. This is a one-time only deal where unfortunately we couldn't come to agreement on a time that suited both of us. Life gets in the way sometimes and that is just the way it goes. So hopefully we'll be back to normal for episode three. Which like I said, if we're going to film a podcast in a couple of days when it suit both of us, I would rather just film episode three and just continue on what we're going to do. Unless something big crops up between now and episode three, episode three will likely be a discussion on the top five albums that changed our lives, which should be a lot of fun. I have a feeling this is going to be a really good one. A lot of good discussion uh, so i can't wait to get the episode done but for now this is episode two and today i am talking about pewdiepie and the whole pewdiepie is a nazi situation that went down the wall street journal and all the scandal that unfolded because of it uh, but before i get started i just want to quickly say the walking dead is back guys the walking dead was not back at the time when we filmed the last podcast uh, but it is episode one from the second half of the season which i believe would have been episode nine uh, aired last sunday in the u.s monday in the UK and man what a episode that was that was absolutely fantastic uh, I love The Walking Dead it's perhaps my favourite programme on TV potentially of all time I know Miss Lance really likes Walking Dead too so hopefully whenever we do the podcast we'll be able to kick back for a few minutes and we'll be able to just talk about Walking Dead for a little bit with you guys and um, I've got to say the episode really kicked off the second half of the season how it should it was absolutely fantastic uh, it had no need to be over uh, so, like so much action and so much death and that it didn't need all the fighting it just had the couple of scenes with the uh, zombies uh, with the walkers sorry uh, when they all got took out by Rick and the group and then the end and I won't give any spoilers away in case you guys haven't watched it uh, but it was so so good the end of the episode man it's a lot of people would assume that Rick and the group are going to be in a lot of trouble, but just I can just tell that this is just the moment Rick has been waiting for. Rick has just been waiting for this, and now all the pieces are going to fall into place, and his plan is going to come together over the next few episodes. Or oh, that is the intention. Uh, from what I think they were trying to portray. Obviously, this is Walking Dead, and I believe the whole Negan storyline will be dragged out a lot further uh, than just Season 7. So I don't think it's going to quite go to plan, but I think the pieces of the puzzle are going to start falling in place. And uh, the next episode aired last night in the USA. We haven't seen it over here yet. Episode 10, I believe it will be, is on TV tonight, and I cannot wait for it for you uh, to watch it. Uh, whether you guys have already seen it by the time the episode drops, who knows? Uh, but I just want to say I'm so looking forward to it. The season... Uh, the second half of the season kicked off exactly how it should. But right, anyway, we are talking about PewDiePie and the whole situation. Uh, if any of you guys watch YouTube, which I imagine you do if you're watching this podcast, because chances are you're watching it on YouTube, uh, but if you have not heard about this at all, you must have been living under a rock. Uh, because over the last six or seven days, shit has just gone down for the pewds. And so basically, we're just going to sum it up quickly because you guys have probably heard it already, but I'm just going to sum it up. So right after all this stuff went down, some asshat from the Wall Street Journal took an Uber to Disneyland and they walked straight up to Mickey Mouse's castle and went, Oi, Mickey, Donald, 
Why do you employ racists that use Nazi imagery in their videos? What is the meaning of all of this? What are you playing at? So like Mickey Mouse went down to the front doors of the Disney castle and went, I, I really wish I could do a Mickey Mouse impression. This would probably be so much better if I could. But anyway, I'm going to do it without it. But anyway, Mickey Mouse went down to the front doors of the castle and went, what are you talking about? We don't employ anyone who's racist or uses Nazi imagery in their videos. We are a family-friendly organisation. And all the stuff that you may have seen where we've been racist in the past, that was all a lie. That was not us. We are 100% family-friendly. We are all about Frozen and all that other child-friendly stuff. We do not employ racist people. So then Alistair responded by taking out his iPad, fired that thing up, he loaded up his video clips, and he showed some 4-5 second clips of PewDiePie. Uh, watching Hitler videos in Nazi uniform and uh, he also showed the little clip where the Indian guys were dancing around saying death to all Jews, subscribe to Keemstar and uh, they gave no context to these things, little tiny four or five second clips that showed PewDiePie to be racist, anti-Semitic and uh, a horrible human being. Uh, so Maker Studios and Disney went on the defence, they went on damage control, they dropped PewDiePie from their MCN in a heartbeat, they didn't even think about it, they didn't even research this thing, they just thought, fuck that, we are not being associated with this guy, you are out of here. Doesn't matter whether you are making us millions of dollars every year, you are gone, Mr. Felix. So then YouTube also heard about this thing and they thought, shit, we cannot be associated with this guy. PewDiePie is our homeboy. We cannot be associated with this kind of behavior. Uh, this could get us in a lot of heat. We are trying to make this whole website corporate. We are trying to phase out the small YouTube creators and we are all about the Ellen Show and James Corden's carpool karaoke, whatever the hell it's called. So we don't want anything to do with this thing, PewDiePie is no longer our boy. And if you guys don't know, YouTube Red launched in 2015, I believe it was, which is basically a paid service, a bit like Netflix, where YouTube are producing their own original content. And they released season one of Scare PewDiePie, which was about PewDiePie being put in basically real life horror game situations. And right, Scare PewDiePie actually has Robert Kirkman, who created The Walking Dead as an executive producer for the thing. And this whole thing was filmed, and they just thought, no, we're not gonna air it, we we're gonna cancel it, we're gonna drop PewDiePie, PewDiePie is not our boy and we don't want nothing to do with him, we're not gonna promote him anymore and uh, we're also gonna take him off the Google preferred platform which a lot of you guys don't know exists but basically this is a platform where YouTubers basically handpicked all of the family friendly creators uh, that they want to promote on their website and basically if advertisers want to put an ad on their videos they've got to pay an elite charge uh, to get their content onto their channels and that basically brings in a lot of big money. All the big channels on YouTube, PewDiePie, the Markiplier's, the Zoellas and all that, they are all on this platform and they have been, and at least PewDiePie has been dropped where these guys make a hell of a lot of money. So when you think that PewDiePie makes like $12 million a year or whatever, that is because this pays a hell of a lot more than your standard ad base. But he's been put on the standard AdSense again and they have just thought, fuck this, we're just gonna distance ourselves from this. Uh, which to be fair is not right whatsoever. It's like I said, I was gonna go over these things again. PewDiePie, he did apparently nine offensive things where 
where he was edgy with anti-Semitic and Nazi imagery in his video since August 2016, including where he paid the two Indian guys $5 to hold up a sign saying death to all Jews, and then also when he wore the Nazi-style army uniform and he filmed himself watching a Hitler propaganda speech and smiling. However, when it came to the Wall Street Journal, this was all taken out of context to show that he was a neo-Nazi and a racist, uh, which PewDiePie is not. If YouTube or if Maker or if anyone of the Wall Street Journal even uh, watched and reported on the video as a whole, he would see that he was basically just making a joke within a wider context of a video. That was just a five or 10 second clip in a 10 minute video uh, that was completely taken out of context and had nothing to do with this. There was no promoting Nazi and neo-Nazi uh, propaganda in his videos. It was just a joke that was taken out of context. And uh, I've got to say, this whole thing completely backfired on them. Uh, whereas a lot of people would expect that the tables would turn on PewDiePie and he would no longer be Mr. YouTube and the community would turn on him and the community would hate him and his subscription count would just drop rapidly. In fact, the opposite happened. Uh, the YouTube community rallied round PewDiePie and came to his defense. Uh, people stood up for PewDiePie and in fact, if he did wrong, these videos, as Keemstar said, would not have a million likes, they would have a million dislikes. And as many people, including Philip DeFranco, showed that during the time this whole scandal went on, PewDiePie was actually gaining subs, not losing them, and his views were ever increasing, as they have been a lot recently. A few days later, PewDiePie made an apology video about the whole thing, uh, but in the video he had about a minute worth of an apology, saying that fair enough, he probably took things a little bit too far. Uh, but then he just proceeded to bash the Wall Street Journal and other media outlets for reporting false narratives to benefit their own agenda. And uh, in fact, he did mention in the video that the Wall Street Journal came to PewDiePie's house after the fact for a comment, uh, which is absolutely disgraceful and just despicable and just a typical media thing, at least in my opinion. The Wall Street Journal should have came to PewDiePie prior to reporting on this. Uh, they should have came to him and said, what, what's all this stuff about the Nazi propaganda? You've been promoting like Hitler and that shit in your videos. Why are you doing this? And like, what the fuck? And then PewDiePie goes and said, no, you're just taking the shit out of context. It's a joke. I am not pro-neo-Nazi. I am against all sort of hate in the world. Uh, this is all a big joke. But no, they came with House for coming after so they could have the big juicy story and they could report first on what PewDiePie has to say about the whole thing, even though they're the ones that fucked things up for him and cost him hundreds, potentially millions of dollars in revenue. And then they thought they would come to his house and ask for his opinion on the whole thing. They would ask for his opinion on the thing that they created. If Wall Street Journal did not create this article, PewDiePie would still be with Maker, Scare PewDiePie Season 2 would still be happening, and PewDiePie would still be on the Google Preferred platform, bringing in all the revenue that he's been making. But no, the Wall Street Journal fucked this up for PewDiePie, and then had the balls to knock on his door and ask what he thought about the whole situation. What I would have thought about the situation would have been a punch straight in the hat's face, but thankfully PewDiePie is a little bit better than I am, and uh, that didn't go down. But what? What in the actual fuck is going up with the media? This just absolutely takes the biscuit. But uh, while we're speaking on the way the money that PewDiePie makes, the media, you probably guys would have seen this over and over again. It must be a yearly article now. The media report on how much PewDiePie has made. PewDiePie has made an estimated $16 million in 2016. I can't believe that someone plays video games on the internet and makes $16 million. This is not right. And the, and the media are only annoyed about the fact that PewDiePie earns so much money by entertaining millions <laughs> of PewDiePie fans 
on the internet by playing games because they will never make that much money entertaining people with their media. YouTube is bigger than any mainstream media outlet and they don't want to admit that but it is the truth in the amount of clicks that YouTube gets if you look at all the clicks that the website gets daily weekly monthly yearly it far exceeds any media outlet on the planet that is why all the media outlets the BBC the CNN's the Wall Street journals BuzzFeed everyone is over on YouTube now because they are trying to get those clicks on the news stories but they cannot do it. They cannot surpass the level that the YouTube community is at. They have more power and more influence over the mainstream world and over the general population than any mainstream media outlet does. And the media are absolutely terrified about that. And that is why they always put down the fact that PewDiePie makes $16 million a year, $12 million. I can't believe he plays video games and screams in a microphone for $16 million a year. And it's only because they he is making more than you ever will, more than any of us ever will. Chances are he's probably made more in 2016 than I will make in my lifetime, probably more than you will make in your lifetime. And then, although I would like a piece of that pie, I would like to make that kind of money I could not hold it against PewDiePie. PewDiePie has done the unthinkable and made YouTube a platform where you can make huge money, where basically it is limitless. There's no limit on how much money you can make. There's no cap. You can just create and you can just entertain and you can earn if you have the audience. And without you, without PewDiePie, the partner program thing may not exist. PewDiePie basically showed that there's potential in this platform, potential to make money. And without him, we could, n we might not all be sat here today. Some of us will be, most of us won't be though. So we have a lot to thank PewDiePie for. And like I said, the media are just shit scared that they cannot get a piece of this pie. And when we're talking about the media and the fact that PewDiePie makes shitloads of money, they never report on how much money PewDiePie raises for charity. In December 2016, PewDiePie's own MCN, which is owned by Maker Studios, Revel Mode, did a cringemous live stream. I believe it was a 24-hour live stream, and they raised an estimated $1.3 million for charity in 24 hours. That is absolutely huge. And PewDiePie is... That's not his first million that he's made for charity either. PewDiePie has raised millions for charity. He has donated his own money to charity. But the media don't report on that because we're doing a news story on the Wall Street Journal saying PewDiePie raises a million dollars for charity. Who gives a fuck? The people at the charity do. The people who are fans of him do. But the mainstream people don't really care because Bill Gates donates money every single day. Bill Gates donates hundreds of millions of dollars and no one bats an eyelid. No one thanks him for it. So why would they thank PewDiePie? That is not a juicy story to talk about. So they don't do it. What they want to talk about is the fact that PewDiePie is a neo-Nazi and because that is a juicy story that people want to hear. Many YouTubers do good for the world, not just PewDiePie, PewDiePie is not the only person that does anything good in the world, uh, but it is not as good as a story as saying that YouTube's hero is a neo-Nazi, and he's a neo-Nazi earning more than any of us will ever earn in our lifetime. Right, so now we're going to go back to Maker Studios. Maker Studios, PewDiePie's MCN, and the main network for PewDiePie's sub-network, Rebel Mode, are apparently going to slash their roster from thousands of channels to just over 300, and they're just keeping the top advertiser-friendly channels on their roster. Uh, which means if you don't conform to Disney, you are getting dropped. And uh, many people speculate that this could be a scapegoat. PewDiePie could be the scapegoat to justify the channels being forcibly removed uh, from the network. So now that they've seen that their top creator on their network is a neo-Nazi sympathizer, now they can go through their network and see 
what else is on their network that is not advertiser friendly. And at the time of filming, iDubbbz TV is part of Maker Studios. If you are going to get rid of PewDiePie, how can you have iDubbbz on your fucking network? But if you're going to drop PewDiePie from your network, you cannot keep iDubbbz on your network. There is no, you cannot justify that move at all. So chances are they probably will get rid of iDubbbz. And to be fair, these guys don't need MCNs. People think that you need an MCN. You need a network in order to earn money off YouTube. You do not. You can just sign up to AdSense because if an MCN takes a cut of your YouTube earnings, everything you create, they take a cut of it in exchange for assets and potential sponsorships and stuff like that. But when you are a 53 million channel network, you do not need someone to look for sponsorship for you. You're going to have people knocking down your door for sponsorships and stuff like that. Uh, so they don't need them. If anyone, if PewDiePie, if Markiplier, if Jacksepticeye, if iDubbbz, if anyone gets dropped by Maker Studios, they can join another MCN. Every MCN in the world is going to be emailing them and contacting them and trying to get them on their network. Or they could just go with AdSense and all would be well. Right after YouTube and Maker dropped PewDiePie like a hot stone, the YouTube community absolutely rallied around it. I've already said this before, if PewDiePie did wrong, PewDiePie's videos on this subject would have been hammered. They would have been decimated and the YouTube community would have turned on him and PewDiePie would not have made any more edgy content like this. The fact that he made nine videos with potential neo-Nazi content that didn't have a ton of dislikes is because PewDiePie did nothing wrong. In fact, the Wall Street Journal made a YouTube video on this whole situation reporting the story and it has over a 99% dislike ratio. I did a quick calculation last night. I'm not totally sure if this is 100% accurate and it was just at the time that I saw a screenshot of it. Uh, but if my calculation was right, the Wall Street Journal's video reporting the fact that PewDiePie is racist and he was dropped by Maker Studios had a 99.996% dislike to like ratio. That is absolutely huge. That shows what the YouTube community thinks of the mainstream media when they attack one of our own. But many YouTubers rallied around and spoke out in defense of PewDiePie. H3H3 Productions, Ethan Klein and his wife Healer. Ethan is a Jewish YouTuber. I believe Healer might be too. But I know Ethan is definitely a Jewish YouTuber. He spoke out supporting Pewd, saying he is not racist and the Wall Street Journal created an article based on purely research defamation. Now this is a Jewish guy. PewDiePie made a video that had an image saying death to all Jews in his video and a Jewish YouTuber said PewDiePie is not racist. If a Jewish YouTuber can say that PewDiePie is not racist, then the mainstream media don't have a leg to stand on because I guarantee if any of the people in the mainstream media are Jewish, it is gonna be such a small percentage that it is insignificant. If a Jewish YouTuber can claim that PewDiePie is not racist towards Jewish people, then PewDiePie is not racist against Jewish people. Now, a lot of people, like I said, did defend PewDiePie. His good friend, one of his best friends, Markiplier, made a video called Respect. And in the video, he said that PewDiePie wasn't racist at all. And he said that this was all about respect and the fact that people attacked, not PewDiePie, they attacked and disrespected Felix. And, they, and he came out and he defended him and spoke out against the disrespect the media gave PewDiePie and how they dehumanized him and made him out to be a monster. 
and that we need to be treated with respect because YouTubers are only humans. People see YouTubers being some big celebrity figures, but at the end of the day, they are just humans making content in their home most of the time for the internet. They are not mainstream, they're not musicians, they are not actors, they are not filmmakers, they are not celebrities in the way that people like Kanye West or Brad Pitt and stuff like that are. YouTubers aren't celebrities in the same way that they are. They are just regular human beings who manage to figure out the system and manage to figure out how to make something work and how to make a living doing something that they love to do. And I believe personally that YouTubers should not be held in the same regard as mainstream celebrities. This is a video platform that the mainstream media do not belong on. And it has been shown time and time again, and especially in this situation, that the mainstream media does not belong on YouTube.com. The mainstream media does not belong on this platform. When you come in this platform and you disrespect this platform that we are all a part of, and we all put hours, I don't care, even though I'm a 900 plus subscriber channel, I'm not a big channel, I'm not making a living off this channel, but I put in so many hours, I put my heart and soul into this website, and no one is gonna come in and destroy that. And I know that I'm not alone. You've got guys like Keemstar, who basically became the unofficial leader of this charge to say, we are going to fight against the mainstream media. The mainstream media are not coming onto our platform and dictating what we do. And I agree with him 100%. If the mainstream media dictate what what we do and YouTube decide to censor us, then as Keemstar said, that could stop the next big creator from breaking out because we are going to be a lot more restricted, a lot more censored on the content that we make, and we are going to be silenced. Our voices are going to be silenced, and that might stop people from making a channel. People might not want to make a channel because you have to conform. If you don't want, if you can't make the content that they want you to make. Why would you bother making a channel? And that could stop the next big YouTuber from breaking out and that could stop big YouTubers now from carrying on making the content that people enjoy because if people aren't enjoying the content, they will turn away. And if people can't make the content that they want to make, that could end careers and we will not stand for it. So although I said that Markiplier made a video defending PewDiePie, his good friend, his very, very good friend and someone that PewDiePie made and gave a career, Jacksepticeye, was quite the opposite. Jacksepticeye made a video where in large he criticised PewDiePie and he said that it was fair that Maker Studios dropped him from the network and it makes perfect sense that they cut ties with PewDiePie. In all fairness, why didn't they cut ties sooner? Why didn't they cut ties sooner with PewDiePie? As soon as PewDiePie referenced Hitler, as soon as PewDiePie showed an image of Hitler, as soon as PewDiePie did anything slightly offensive, he should have been out that fucking door in August when he made his first video. Why the hell didn't Maker do that sooner? Why didn't they do that sooner? What in the actual fuck? Jack, you are meant to be PewDiePie's friend. Now, we'll say it was a little bit different when it came to YouTube Red and Scare PewDiePie Season 2 being cancelled. Jacksepticeye did not agree with that. Jacksepticeye did not agree that YouTube had dropped PewDiePie like a sack of shit and cancelled Scare PewDiePie Season 2. And do you want to know why? Because Jacksepticeye was in half of the episodes of Season 2. Jacksepticeye made money out of Scare PewDiePie, Jacksepticeye would have continued to make money out of Scare PewDiePie, and Jacksepticeye would have continued to get exposure from Scare PewDiePie, and he is not getting any of that now. And Jack does not agree with it. Jack does not agree that YouTube dropped him because it has a negative impact on his livelihood. 
That is the sort of friend that Jacksepticeye truly is. And when shit like this goes down with your friend, that is when people find out who their friends really are. And I would say, I don't know what goes on in private between the two, but just from the way that he's portrayed himself in the public eye, he is not a true friend. Jacksepticeye is only out for himself. He is only out to save his own skin. He spoke out on PewDiePie because he was scared Maker Studios were going to drop his ass too. Because he is affiliated with PewDiePie. He's a he's part of you, uh, PewDiePie's revel mode. He is massively affiliated with PewDiePie and Jacksepticeye is scared of the consequences of that. But you should not be scared because if you were not affiliated with PewDiePie, you would not have a career. Bottom line, you may have made it big, but you would not have made it big to the level you are now with your 14 million plus subscribers and billions of views on YouTube. You would not be at the level you are. Your career was made when PewDiePie shouted you out. PewDiePie took you under his wing and PewDiePie made you who you are. And because this has been a overnight success story, you basically blinked and suddenly you were a multi-millionaire. You didn't even know what was going on. PewDiePie shouted your, you out and your world changed forever. And because you've been on this roller coaster where suddenly you are in a bubble and you are being surrounded by yes men and people that are trying to make you as much money and people that are trying to shape you into the perfect image of what they want to represent and make a studios, you've lost contact with reality. You've lost contact with the fact that your friend is in the doghouse at the minute. Your friend is being scrutinized by the mainstream media and you are too scared to do anything about it. Now, Markiplier, did something about it. Ma I understand that you may not want to get into the drama. Markiplier doesn't want to get into the drama. Markiplier is not Keemstar. Markiplier does not get an erection when drama goes down. Markiplier does not jack off at other people's misfortunes like they might. And that is not anything negative against Keemstar. People know he's an asshole, but he's one of the most entertaining guys on this platform, but he loves drama. That is his bread and butter. That is how he pays his bills. That is how he's got a big mansion, and that is how he drives a fast car. That is his game, and that is fair game. I have no issue with that. I'm a huge fan of Keemstar. I respect him more than anything, but he is the one that spoke out defending PewDiePie. He's the one that has contacted all sorts of media outlets, their sponsors, he has contacted other YouTubers, he has contacted everyone he needed to to get PewDiePie support and try and get this stuff sorted. He has no affiliation on this thing, but he is a true YouTuber. Keemstar knows that we need to stick together and he knows the consequences if the mainstream media and the corporations and the corporate people and the board of directors in this world take over YouTube. He knows the consequences that it will have for me, what it will have for you, what it will have for PewDiePie, Keemstar, Markiplier, everyone. He knows the consequences and he is willing to fight for it. And I'll tell you now, I don't care, even though I've got 400 followers on Twitter, I've got 85 people on Facebook, I've got 130 followers on Instagram, I've got 930 subscribers on YouTube, potentially a lot less depending how this podcast is taken by people that listen to it. But I have got the small audience and I want to fight as much as any creator on this website to keep this 
our platform and you Jacksepticeye would rather roll over to the board of directors and let them have their way with you. They, you would rather them fuck you in the ass to keep your money, to keep your reputation, to not speak out and not be dropped by these big companies, which is despicable. And although I've never liked your content, I don't watch your content. I don't watch Markiplier's content. I don't even watch PewDiePie's that often. I seldom watch them. But even though I don't actively watch your content, I respect you. I respect what you've done. I respect what you have accomplished. And I respect the doors that you, Markiplier, PewDiePie, and the rest of you guys have opened up for people like me. But after the way that you have handled the situation, you have lost a little bit of that respect. And I know that means nothing to you. I am no one on this platform. But... I just want to say, if you ever did see this, I have lost respect for you. Because when your friend is down, when your friend is out, when your friend is having the world shit on him, and the world is against him, and he is all over every media website in the world, criticising him, defamation of character, slander, when all that stuff is happening to your friend, you stand up and you fight, and you defend him with every breath you have. Now, I've known... Linus Lanier, my podcast co-host, for, I believe, two months, potentially two months and one day. But if she was PewDiePie, if she was in this situation now and people were calling her neo-Nazi, I would defend her with every breath that I have to everyone in the world that would listen to me. And the fact that you won't defend them is disgraceful. And I've lost a lot of respect for you. Oh, shit. I really went off on one. Fuck. I went off. I did not mean to get that heated into it, but that is just how I feel about this whole situation. Now, thankfully, things seem to be calming down. However, you never know when the next thing is going to go down the guy in the situation. PewDiePie has already been dropped, and who knows what else is going to happen to him now. Hopefully nothing. Hopefully he can just claw this back and he can get back into YouTube's good books. But who knows. But I just want to say this is a final thing. If you are a YouTube creator and you are not standing with PewDiePie, then you are not a true YouTuber. This community is built on individuals. PewDiePie was a 900 subscriber channel once upon a time. PewDiePie is now a 53 million channel subscriber channel now in 2017. That shows what can be done. We were all small channels with nothing. You, Jacksepticeye, Markiplier, Keemstar, everyone was a small channel with nothing at one point. Don't forget that. Because if corporations take it away, you won't have any channel. Your career will be done and we cannot allow that. And don't allow it. Stand by the community. If someone in the community fucks up, the community will take them to trial. The community is the jury and the community will decide their fate, not the mainstream media. The Wall Street Journal, Wired, the BBC, the New York Times, the LA Times, none of them are doing jury service for YouTube. The YouTube community and everyone in it, and everyone who watches it, we are the jury. If you fuck up, we will decide your fate. And that goes for every single one of us. The corporations do not decide our fate, we do. And if we don't do that, if we don't continue to be the voice of this platform, then it'll be all taken away from us. You mark my words. If we don't stand up and fight, YouTube will not be this same platform 
down the road a few years from now next year 2020 2030 at some point it will be taken away from us if we allow it to happen and the fact that youtube can do this to their biggest creator absolutely terrifies me and it should terrify you because this is going to show that you can have 53 million subscribers you can make youtube millions of dollars every year and that doesn't give you a free pass at all if you asked me a month ago i would have said pewdiepie has special treatment pewdiepie will never have his channel terminated pewdiepie will never be kicked off this platform if pewdiepie fucks up youtube's more youtube will pull him aside and say pewds sort this out you cannot act like this on this website we have to get this stuff sorted out so we can keep our image and we don't want to terminate you but it seems like in 2017 youtube would have no issue pulling the plug on pewdiepie's channel pewdiepie is the biggest creator pewdiepie is the poster boy for youtube and if they can do that with pewdiepie what the hell can they do to us and that thought terrifies me as a creator and it should terrify everyone who uploads videos this platform if they can do this to felix if they can drop him from their if they can basically remove him from the poster from the youtube poster if they can take him from being the face to just being another creator if they can knock him off the google preferred platform if they can cancel the youtube red series and lose thousands hundreds of thousands potentially millions of dollars put people out of work what can they do to me and what can they do to you and that thought terrifies me and as i've said before it should terrify you too holy fuck i went off on one there shit so right we're gonna end this podcast on a little bit more of a happy note we're gonna talk about a little bit of music news now uh, that we were also going to talk about in the podcast well, while we're talking about some of the bads, we might as well continue the trend. Linkin Park, the new metal band from yesteryear who now don't make new metal music, have released a brand new song called Heavy, which is off their latest album, which is going to be released in 19, on the 19th of May, if you give a shit, and I will say that I do not. I remember getting Hybrid Theory back in like 2001 or whenever it was. I got Meteora back in like 2003, 2004 and I played the shit out of that. Those two albums shaped me as a human and shaped me as a musician growing up. And Linkin Park, over the years, they toned it down. That album that everyone loved in 2007 with that What I've Done On It, it was alright, it weren't bad, it weren't great. Then it got a little bit worse. And now they have just hit rock bottom. Linkin Park is no longer a new metal band. Which, fair enough, no one really is these days. However, Linkin Park have gone from being this new metal giant, releasing huge songs such as Crawling, In The End, Numb, all that sort of stuff, to pretty much putting out a song that sounds like manufactured, generic and X-Factor single. It is absolutely atrocious. I've been a big fan of them. This song sounds like manufactured pop music. Linkin Park, as someone that was inspired by you growing up, that used you to vent my anger, to let all my hatred out, you have disappointed me. You have really, really disappointed me. If you want to check it out, the song's called Heavy. The album is out on May 19th. I don't think I'll be pretty hard on it. 
this has really, really disappointed me. But if you want to hear a band that is still putting out kick-ass music 20 years later and even after the new metal even died out and all the bands should have died with it, this band is putting out fantastic music still. They are called Papa Roach. You guys may have heard of them, you may not have heard of them. Chance that you've heard of them, chance that you've heard Last Resort because everyone in the world has heard Last Resort. Everyone in the world has heard Scars. And To Be Loved was the Raw, the DJ Raw theme song for years. Papa Roach have released a new song called Help, which I assume will be on their upcoming album, which no one has any idea when it's coming out. But they have released their second song from it called Help, and it absolutely kicks ass. This is a kick-ass rock song from a kick-ass band, and this is what Linkin Park should have put out, instead of the shit they did. And also, my good friend, Russian Dan, my brother from a Russian mother, Daniel Leonov, did a bass cover of this song on his channel yesterday, using his fantastic Made in Japan Fender Aerodyne bass. I absolutely love that thing. I fell in love with that bass, and I want to drive, I want to get an Uber to Russia to get that off you. That bass is sexy as shit. Check out Help by Papa Roach. Check out Dan's video. Link will be in the description box of either SoundCloud, YouTube, wherever you listen to it. Go check it out and show him some love because Daniel Leonov is an awesome guy. Go check him out. Now while we're talking about Blast from the Past, Medina Lake, you guys may recognise that name. They were a band that sort of showed up in the UK music scene around 2007. They had a few big songs and they kind of faded it and rode off into the sunset. No one really paid any attention to them after about 2009. Uh, they did break up in 2013. However, they are back. They announced that they are coming back and they are doing five or six shows in the UK, including three shows at the Slam Dunk Festival this year. Uh, if you want a blast from the past, from the deathcore scene days, they weren't deathcore, they were more like an emo band, but from that sort of day of the whole Dream With Horizon, The Lost Prophets, The Blackouts, the, all that sort of stuff, The Funeral Friends, if you want a blast from the past from that era, go check out Medina the Lake. I actually have their debut album still sealed in my desk drawer. It's still having taken the cellophane off it. I do have it though. Uh, go check it out. It's probably not something I'm going to be into, but I will definitely check out any new music if they put it out. But if they were your band, if you loved them, now is your opportunity to go revisit your glory days and go check them out. They are playing a couple of dates in the UK, including three at the Slam Dunk Festival in three different locations in late May. Now for the big news, the Grammys went down last week. You guys would have heard about the Grammys at all went down. Loads of shit went down. Adele won a Grammy. She thought that she shouldn't have won it, so she broke it in two and gave half it to Beyonce, which was fairly entertaining. Um, Megadeth won their first ever Grammy for their latest album, Dystopia. Uh, they have been nominated, I think, 11 or 12 times for a Grammy, and they finally won it in 2017. For a band that's been around like 30 years, it took them that long to get a Grammy. Well-deserved, long overdue. And uh, what was funny, though, is when they went to go down to the stage to accept it, the house band played Metallica's Master Puppet. A bit of a kick in the teeth, but thankfully Dave Mustaine took it very lightheartedly and went on Twitter and said that he can't blame the house band for not being able to play a Megadeth song. Class act and Dave Mustaine and Megadeth deserve the Grammy. It is long overdue and I'm so happy that they finally got it. But speaking of Metallica, at the Grammys they performed Muffin to Flame with Lady Gaga, uh, which is something where I heard it was going to happen, I heard a rumour it was going to happen, and I was like, what the fuck? Why would they do that? And Lady Gaga has got a lot of shit over the recent years, where for claiming she's a metal fan, she always see an Iron Maiden shirt, she claims she's a huge Maiden fan, she's a huge Metallica fan, Slayer fan, and people have just been like, really? 
You write pop music and you're a huge Slayer fan. Get the fuck out of here. But they took to the stage with Lady Gaga. And I've got to say, it really, really blew me away. Lady Gaga absolutely nailed it on point. That was a really, really damn good performance. I was really impressed by it. Unfortunately, someone apparently kicked the mic cable out of James's microphone and it didn't work at all during the performance. So all of James's vocals were just silent, uh, which is an absolute shame. And apparently, Lars Ulrich said that he has never seen James more angry in the last 20 years. Apparently, James Hetfield was absolutely fuming. And um, I've got to say, the performance was absolutely fantastic. I loved it. I didn't really agree with the backing dancers. I thought they were a little bit annoying and sort of what the Grammys and what the sort of mainstream media and the pop world kind of views a metal fan as being these headbanging people. But it was a bit unnecessary, but obviously Metallica had to agree on it. So if Metallica said yeah, then that's fair enough. But overall, I didn't take away from the performance. It was absolutely fantastic. And I've heard the rumour that they are going to collaborate again in the future, whether it will be on an album, whether it will just be a live show, I'm not totally sure. But if Lady Gaga wants to do songs with Metallica, I've got to say, I never thought I would hear me say it, but I am totally down for that. I am really, really down for Lady Gaga and Metallica working together. It was absolutely fantastic. If you haven't checked it out, go search for Metallica Grammys or Metallica Lady Gaga. Uh, it was absolutely killer and definitely worth your time. As so thankfully, after my huge rant on PewDiePie, I managed to end this thing on a little bit of a higher note and a bit more of a happy spirit than I was five or ten minutes ago. Uh, but on that note, we're going to exit stage left and head over to the next town. That is the end of the podcast. Hope you guys have enjoyed it. Uh, whether you're watching on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, on my YouTube channel, on the Battle Square One YouTube channel, make sure you hit that subscribe button on whatever platform you're on. And if you are able to hit a like button, if it's on YouTube, or SoundCloud or whatever, please do so. So then it really helps us out and it really shows that people are digging this content and uh, make sure you stick around for the next one. If you subscribe to it, you'll be notified when the next Back to Square One podcast comes out. Hopefully Linus and Nate will be back joining me for the next episode. That is the plan. She has not been replaced, just a conflict of schedule today meant we couldn't get the podcast done. I wanted to get the whole PewDiePie thing out while it's still on my mind. So that's why I did it solo today. But Linus and Nate will be back joining me as always in the next episode. But if you want to support the Bat Square One podcast, be sure to head over to our Patreon site. We have no advertisers, we have no funding for the podcast or anything we do. This is just two people doing it for the love of the music and for the love of what we do. Uh, but we do have a Patreon where you can get exclusive access to all of our original and cover music because although you might be listening to the Bat Square One podcast, we are banned Bat Square One and we write original music and we record cover songs too. And you can get exclusive early access by going over to Patreon. If you pledge one dollar per original or cover song you'll get access to all of our past recordings whether they are originals or covers whatever we've done whether we've got five songs on there at the minute or whether you're listening to this down the road and there's hundreds of songs on there you will get instant access to all of them for your one dollar which is a damn sight cheaper than buying them all on itunes and you'll get for one dollar just a minimum of one dollar per original cover you'll get access early access to every single recording of music or podcasts that we do in the future and because although eventually all these songs that we do will end up on itunes and that you will always get them at least a week or two early by going up a Patreon and it will save you a lot of money if you want to download our music because rather than paying a dollar a song you can pay a dollar for everything. So head over to patreon.com slash BTSO a pledge and support us and help this podcast out and help us keep on the air for free because we have no podcast advertisers or sponsorship or anything. But like I said that is the end of the podcast we are going to exit stage left we're going to head over the next town and until the next time you roll into town my name is Doodles I thank you so much for listening and I'll see you guys next time.